Try to help my teammates, whatever I see. Hell yeah! That's big time. Two to two! You feel me? Let's go, man. Nick and I are looking to bring that same energy that you just heard from Chris Paul during Dennis Schroeder's post-game interview after a monster game to tie the series two to two. In today's pod, we're breaking down what has been so effective for OKC in its past two games, including a new clutch lineup and incredible performances by the German Lightning Bolt himself. Let's get to it. It's the Thunder Basketball Universe. digging itself down into an 0-2 hole, OKC has fought, rallied, and willed itself back to level playing field. And my friends, pod listeners across the world, Nick Gallo, we are even. This is an even series tied 2-2, or really, I should say 0-0, because it just feels like a new series going into game five. And the whole time, sitting on press row in Chesapeake Energy Arena, I just kept thinking to myself, what would this series feel like in this arena with 18,000 people. Two games that have just come down to the wire. It was, it was just insane. And I just kept thinking about that in my head. Yeah, I, I feel bad for you, Paris, because we're sitting courtside at Chesapeake Energy Arena and there's no noise except for the clicking of laptops and the, you know, the voices of Michael Cage and Chris Fisher across from us. And a normal playoff experience for you would be complete pandemonium you wouldn't be able to hear yourself think. You'd be trying to concentrate on what's going on. You'd be barely able to hear in your earpiece what Chris and Michael are saying. Um, so yeah, uh, this, is, this has been much different, but I would say what's happened on the court in terms of that sort of like heart-stopping action and uh, intensity, that's been the exact same. We're sitting there on press row. It's actually kind of interesting because when the game gets down to the wire, Gallo, you, you're, you're normally pretty quiet throughout games. And then suddenly you'll just like outburst in this observation or just like burst of excitement. Like, yes, let's go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it's a little different when it's just us on press row, you know, typically when the whole arena is there and there's a, like a bunch of other external media, you know, you're kind of just, everybody's just sitting there and you know, you're, you're very focused. I'm talking to Steve Melton, our producer on Fox, our Fox sports, Oklahoma games, but now it's just me and you, it feels like we're just watching the game in our living rooms uh, with our laptops out, you know? And so you're, you are always like head in your laptop, quickly looking over to the screen to see what's going on in the game, laptop screen, laptop screen. And uh, I'm glad to see you've kind of developed that rhythm that, you know exactly when you can type and when you're able to, to take a look and glance back at what's going on in the game. I don't know how I would handle it with 18,000 fans in the arena and with all of this going on. And even just looking at it at the monitor, my, my little nerves cannot take it. <laughs> but, I mean, that's been the theme of this team for the past two games, Nick. I mean, we've had an overtime game in Game 3 and then a game that went down to the wire for the Thunder in Game 4. And there have been two pretty solid themes throughout both of these games for the Thunder to get a win. And that's a new clutch lineup, a new iteration of Coach Donovan's clutch lineup that, have, that has come to fruition here in these past two games, plus a really, really impressive performance by Dennis Schroeder in these past two games. And we're going to talk about both of those here in today's podcast. We're recording this on Tuesday, August 25th, which means the Thunder just won in a crazy win 
on Monday to even out the series two to two. And Nick, we got to start with this small lineup. I mean, this is the first time that we've seen this lineup. And for, for reference, normally when the Thunder is getting into this clutch time of the game, Coach Donovan puts in the trusty final lineup to go into the game. That's Steven Adams, Dennis Schroeder, Chris Paul, Danilo Gallinari, and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Now, in these past two games, we've seen a different iteration of that. And instead of Steven Adams, Coach Donovan has gone with Lou Dort in the lineup. And this is just a, a, a different look for the Thunder. And they've only played a total of 11 minutes here in these past two games together. Zero during the regular season. But they have been extremely effective, plus 64 when they're on the court together in points. Nick, what has made this lineup so effective. Yeah, well, again, it's small sample size, so we do have to take it with a grain of salt, but you look at the offensive rating 134.6 points per 100 possessions, defensive rating 73 points per 100 possessions, and they're still grabbing 80% of defensive rebounds despite having Danilo Gallinari as the tallest guy on the floor. The big stat that stands out to me, and again, just 11 minutes, but they're playing at a pace uh, much, much higher, almost 10 possessions per 100 faster than their normal pace with some of these other lineups that they've played out there. And I think that is the huge difference, being able to play fast against this Houston team, the way that they're set up, the way they're trying to get back in transition defense and hunker down inside that arc to prevent any drives into the lane. I think that is what's making a massive difference uh, with this small lineup in closing time. And really, that's what the Thunder was able to do with the three-point guard lineup Danilo and Steven during the regular season is that group played faster than its other lineups during the course of the game. So we're kind of getting that, that super speed, you know, that in fast and the furious, when they press the Nas button, that's what basically the Thunder's doing in this series right now in the final five minutes or so. Yeah. And I really want to go deep into this because between Chris Paul and Dennis Schroeder, there is no stopping either one of them from getting to the rim and being really getting past their first defender and just putting pressure on the rim. When that happens, we've talked about this so many times on the podcast, it just opens up so many more opportunities and Dennis and Chris both came up huge late in these games, especially in game four, where it was just so back and forth. Nick, you remember, I mean, it was like one possession after another. Thunder would take the lead. Houston would take the lead. Thunder would take the lead. Houston would take the lead. And it was just back and forth for the entire fourth quarter. And a large part of that was Dennis and Chris getting the ball down the floor quickly and initiating into some sort of offense, whether it's them coming off of a ball screen or just straight up attacking it and trying to get to the basket, putting points on the board consistently in that way. Yeah, seven straight lead changes until that incredible bucket by Dennis Schroeder when he blew past Jeff Green and and got around P.J. Tucker, who had come in to dig in to help, and then arced it high off of the backboard for a little English on that layup that dropped right in to put the Thunder up by three. Those are the types of plays that the Thunder is going to have to make in this series, Paris, because Houston does not have any rim protection. Now, without Clint Capella, they have put all their chips into the center of the table that they're going to use quickness, their feet and some physicality just with some like wide body players like Eric Gordon and PJ Tucker, that they're going to be able to keep guys in front of them and force them to shoot jumpers over the top of them. What this small lineup has done is it's made sure that the thunder has at least four 
competent three-point shooters on the floor at all times. With some of these other lineups, you might have Nerlens Noel, Steven Adams, Lou Dort, guys that Houston might not necessarily you know, need to guard beyond 20 feet. And that's allowing the lane to get a lot more clogged. The smaller group is spacing the floor more, and that's allowing for these driving lanes. The thing that you mentioned earlier, Paris, is that nobody's stopping Chris, Shea, Dennis as they're putting the ball on the floor and attacking the rim. At the beginning of the series, the first two games of the series, those guys weren't able to turn the corner around their defenders. And part of that is just, you know, they've gotten better at understanding what angles they're going to have, but also tinkering with some of the personnel on the floor has allowed the Thunder to be able to carve out some of those extra space, the extra one to two feet that these guys need to really be able to, to twist and get to the lane. The other really impressive thing about this, Nick, is on the other side of the floor. And it really proved itself in game four when Houston went absolutely cold from behind the three-point line. But a huge credit goes out to the Thunder defense and the perimeter players on the floor in that clutch lineup for forcing James Harden to shoot some ridiculously deep three-pointers. I mean, he, he's known for making them, but that's a shot that you want him to take, especially late in these games, because that's the lowest percentage shot on the floor, 35, sometimes 37 feet out from the rim. He missed three consecutive, and that was really key for the Thunder to get that momentum going late in that fourth quarter to pull ahead. And that defensive effort by that unit late in that game was huge. Dennis Schroeder has been a force for the Thunder in these past two games. And I'm just going to throw a couple of stats out here from our German lightning bolt coming off of the bench. Sixth man of the year contender, absolutely proving why he's a part of this conversation. In games one and two, he averaged 9.5 points, shooting 33% from the field. But in games three and four, he has come off the bench and injected some incredible energy into the Thunder's offense, averaging 29.5 points on 51.3% shooting from the field and going 13 of 16 from the free throw line. Nick, this guy has absolutely been a key for the Thunder in these last two games. No surprise that it was going to take him a couple games to just get his mojo back coming back to the bubble after the birth of his daughter he missed six of those seeding games obviously did not perform up to his standards in in games one and two and then three and four he's been sensational you mentioned the stats and I want to bring up something that we discussed earlier which is his ability to get to the rim and against this Houston team without a rim protector Dennis is shooting 63 percent at the rim in this series and he's shooting over 50 percent between three and 16 feet. That's that mid-range area that you've got to be shooting it at a really high clip to make the numbers and the math turn out right for you. And Dennis is definitely doing that. He's keeping the scoreboard moving on those little floaters, the mid-range jumpers, and uh, the, the pull-ups that are just critical to keeping the defense honest and honoring that jumper so that he can blow by them with that extra speed burst that he has. His effectiveness was almost immediate in game four. He, he came into the game and on his very first possession, knocked down a late shot clock three-pointer on what looked to be kind of like a, a sloppy-ish possession for the Thunder, but he knocked down a three and salvaged the possession. Kind of taking a broader view of this, we heard from Chris after the game that Dennis was really the energizer 
off the floor too. I mean, he's known for that. We see him on the sidelines all the time, but what we don't see and what we don't hear are the conversations that he has with Chris and Shay throughout the whole game, just to keep their heads in it. He is just so vocal, especially in this last game where the Thunder needed that extra umph to pull ahead over Houston. And he gave it to him in the third quarter when this Thunder team could have been dead to rights. The Rockets had ripped off eight straight threes. We'll talk about that more a little bit later, but Dennis was really the catalyst to a 12-0 run that the Thunder used to get right back into the game and make it just a, a one-point deficit heading into the, third, into the fourth quarter. Dennis had a three that actually resulted in a four-point play. Nerlens Noel knocked down a free throw afterwards because he was fouled while Dennis was making the three to get that run started. And then as the buzzer sounded to end the third quarter, Dennis's heave from 31 feet dropped through the net. Incredible job by Dennis. He actually got Noel a, uh, a layup on a two-for-one about 25 seconds before that. So really nice job of navigating that two-for-one scenario by Dennis and then knocking down the big-time shot and you know, puffing his chest out a little bit as he walked back to the bench. The cool thing here, and I mentioned this in my game recap last night, was that the fourth quarter, he also started that fourth quarter with a layup, which extended that Thunder 12-0 run to 14-0 and gave the Thunder the lead going into the fourth quarter. Now, it would be completely back and forth the entire fourth quarter, but the last field goal of the game was a Dennis Schroeder layup. And so it's like he was just a key in all of these turning points throughout the game for the Thunder and just proved to continue to keep coming up big and sticking with the game plan. That's the other thing. We'll talk about this a little later. But Dennis didn't really waver in his approach to being effective on the floor. He was quick getting up the floor and getting to the rim, like you mentioned, and just keeping up that pace and tempo on the offensive end and not being discouraged by anything that Houston threw in his direction. So big props to Dennis for coming up big for the Thunder in this last game. And let's just talk about that final layup real quick. Paris, can you put in perspective the uh, energy, the stamina that a point guard has to have after playing all game long to be able to beat your man off the dribble like that and get all the way to the bucket in a pressure situation? I think we see so many jump shots late in these games Mm -hmm. and guys trying to win games on jumpers because it takes a ton of energy and effort to get all the way to the bucket in those scenarios. And then you have to add on, Nick, the fact that this guy normally picks up full court all game too, right? Like that was the worst thing for me as a point guard was having to pick up full court and then bring the ball up the floor and initiate offense on the next possession. I'm in my head and I'm like, I'm so jealous of post players right now who just have to run block to block and that's all they have to do. And meanwhile, I am running all circles all over the floor. But that's, again, huge props to Dennis for maintaining that stamina because in that final possession, it was pivotal. Danilo Gallinari had just gotten a steal, and Houston, there was a stop on that end of the floor, which was pivotal, and it allowed the Thunder an opportunity to extend their lead from one point to three points. And that was key with about 13 seconds left to go in the game. Dennis showing some poise and some patience in this possession because the ball got swung to him and he had some time to kind of really kind of read his defender and see what he was going to do. And he used a beautiful step move to get Jeff Green moving in the opposite direction and exploded past him to the rim. Not only was it a great move in terms of, you know, just sheer speed to get past Jeff Green, but it was good mental stamina as well to show 
patience and composure in those final seconds of the game after expending all of that energy to keep your team in it. It was just really impressive. Thunder, we like to keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing for the Thunder has been their composure and their poise in the midst of Houston's volatile offense. And I say volatile because it really can spike and drop in an instant. The biggest indicator of that was in the third quarter where Houston rattled off eight consecutive three-pointers right out of the gates of halftime. After the game was tied 60 to 60, suddenly the Thunder were down 15 points midway through the third quarter. Yeah, this is what I wrote my article about last night, Paris, was the ability of the Thunder to not try to go shot for shot with Houston. The temptation would have to be absolutely massive to try to match them three for three when they knocked down eight straight to come out of the halftime locker room and just absolutely blitz you, getting up, uh, you know, in, in being in a situation where suddenly after six minutes, you're down by 15 points when it was a tie game at halftime. But just an absolutely wonderful job by Chris Paul in particular to get to his spots at the elbow. He hit three straight shots kind of in that 17 to 20 foot range that had just kind of helped the Thunder keep the scoreboard moving. Billy Donovan talks about how these leads are not as insurmountable now than they used to be maybe four or five years ago just because of the speed and tempo that these games are played at, the number of possessions that happen in these games. And so Thunder just hung in there and stayed with it, and they waited for Houston's offense to finally dry up. And sure did it, it did, Paris, because Houston went 5 of 26 from 3 the rest of the way after going eight for eight to start that third quarter. And one of those threes, one of those five makes was a meaningless heave by Daniel right. house to end the game. And it was, uh, you know, it was 117, 111 and house makes this three at the buzzer to make it 117, 114 thunder. So really, you know, during the run of play, it was four of 25, which uh, is just sensational about 15% three point shooting allowed. And Houston style of offense really does just allow for these sort of dramatic waves in in momentum in terms of their scoring. I mean, Coach Donovan talks about it all the time that when you're shooting at that high of a level, it can be seen as fool's gold sometimes. You can't really guarantee that that level of high shooting clip from behind the three-point line can be maintained for an entire quarter, much less an entire game. And so this is where the Thunder's poise and composure to weather these storms from Houston, because you know they're going to shoot half a hundred three-pointers every single game. You know they're going to launch it at a high clip. And some of those are going to go in, and they might go on these really surging runs. But the thing for the Thunder is to not go outside of their identity, not go outside of what has gotten them this far, and that's playing with pace, playing with tempo, and shooting the shots that come to them, generating good shots within their offense. And that's exactly what we saw from Chris Paul, who cashed in on 11 points during that run by Houston to keep the Thunder just level-headed and in it and keep Houston within reach without trying to do too much, without trying to you know match shot for shot, like you said and just keep the Thunder within striking distance so that by the time Houston cooled down, which was going to be in any minute, the Thunder could keep going and maintain that same momentum that they were building the entire time. Yeah, Houston's just going to try to win that math problem, and they're going to bet that 
if they shoot 33% from three and they hold their opponent to under 50% shooting on two-point shots, that they're going to come away winners. And the Thunder is really not necessarily fed into that game. And they've just taken the shots that have come to them. Sometimes they've been threes. Sometimes they've been mid-range jumpers. And a lot of times, especially down the stretch, it was layups at the bucket. And they're going to need that same composure, Nick, going into these next few games because you know that Houston is going to make adjustments. They're going to come out and they're going to throw their best punch. And the thing that the Thunder has done so well in these past two games is just remain poised and stick to their, their you know, stoic offense and do what they do well despite whatever Houston throws at them. And that's going to be huge going into game five and six and seven. We'll see. It is now time for Made You Look. And what made us look happened after the game, after the Thunder had just achieved a fantastic win to tie the series. Emotions are high and everything is exciting for the Thunder. But that was not the point of emphasis for Chris Paul in his walk-off interview after the game. His focus was on Jacob Blake and his family, a man who was shot in the back in Kenosha, Wisconsin, the day before the Thunder played that game. And his thoughts and mine was on the social inequalities that are happening outside of the NBA's bubble. And it was just an an incredibly touching and, and great way for Chris Paul to show some activism, acknowledging that while the team is inside of Orlando right now, basketball is in full swing. The playoff emotions are high. There is still a lot going on outside of that NBA bubble and within their communities that he wanted to acknowledge and and bring to light. And he's doing a great job as NBPA president doing just that and being a a voice for for the NBA. Yeah, we talked about composure earlier on the floor. And I can't imagine the poise and composure required to get done with a extremely emotional playoff victory. And 30 seconds later, you've got a microphone in front of your face and you say what he had to say mm-hmm. on that broadcast. And again, just reminding himself, his teammates, the rest of the NBA players, the fans all around the world watching that, yes, they all decided to go down to Orlando and go to the bubble to play these games, but there was a secondary purpose or not even secondary, maybe primary purpose of going down there was to be able to continue to have this worldwide platform to talk about some of these things that had happened and are continuing to happen. And I think uh, being able to very quickly in the moment shed light on something that had occurred um, is, you know, just another way that Chris is showing how impressive he really is. Yeah. And it just goes to show the split that's happening between every player, right? Like their hearts are in the game. They're, they're in the playoff mode, but their minds are with their communities back at home and and their families and knowing that everything that's going on in the world. And one of the ways Chris Paul said that he is trying to get involved and do everything he can is to make sure that every player inside the NBA bubble is registered to vote and making sure that they are engaged in their civic responsibility to vote. And uh, he actually told us that Darius Baisley, after one of his, actually, I think it was his third straight 20-point performance during the seeding games, Nick, he wasn't talking to him about the on-court performance after the game in the locker room. 
he was talking to him about voting, the importance of voting and making sure that he was registered to vote. So this is exactly the mentality that Chris Paul has throughout this NBA bubble. When he's on the court and he's in those lines, he's ready to play and he is working to win. Off the floor, he's doing the same thing. He is working to win. It's just in a little bit of a different arena. Yeah, and you know, just a reminder for people in Oklahoma to register to vote because there's uh, a, a lot of things that you can get involved with. Uh, there's always local and, and state races to be a part of and make sure that you're impacting your community. The, the phrase is, uh, all politics are local. And so it starts with uh, what you do in your own backyard. Be sure to click the link in the show notes to go to the OKC Voter Portal to find out your polling location and to register to vote. That'll be in the show notes of today's podcast. It is now that point in the podcast where we want to bless your timeline. And Terrence Ferguson blessed all of our timelines by gracing our Instagram feeds with an incredible shot of him guarding James Harden late in the second quarter, getting a much needed steal to give the Thunder some momentum going into halftime. That was one moment of only three minutes of game time for Terrence Ferguson in that game. Billy Donovan had to bring him off the bench after Lou Dort committed his third foul in that game. And he came up big, brought some great energy for the Thunder. That's what staying locked in and focused to the game helps you do is being aware of what the foul situation is for some of your teammates. I mean, this was a game where Lou Dort had five fouls and played the last nine minutes of the game. Everybody on that Thunder bench was clearly tuned into what the situation was. And Ferg was able to do what the Thunder's mantra has been, which is you don't have to get ready if you stay ready. And he was able to just hop right into that game. He played within the pace and the flow of the team, which after sitting for a couple games is really, really impressive to be able to do that at a high level and get a big time steal. And all of his teammates recognized it. I mean, after the game, Shea Gilgis-Alexander said, you know, we need our reserves and we need our bench just as much as we need our starters. And that goes for Dennis Schroeder, who chips in 30 points, Nerlens Noel, who grabs some critical offensive rebounds. And it also goes for Ferg, who notches three minutes in the game, but brings the energy and keeps up with that flow and that rhythm of the game to get a really critical steal and give the Thunder some momentum going into halftime. I think it's a great lesson to the rest of the Thunder team as well, because as we mentioned earlier, Houston is going to come with some adjustments. Some things are going to be different in game five. So none of these guys know exactly who is going to get called upon to play spot minutes in these games. So being able to go in and do your job for three to five minutes could be absolutely vital. That's all for today's podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to like, rate, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much to our producer. And until next time, thunder up and catch you later. I like your, uh, your use of the German lightning bolt. I stole that from you. <laughs> Cite Nick Gallo. Every well, article okay. ever. <laughs> so I, uh, I wanted to make his nickname. Um, so in German, the word blitz is lightning. Oh. So like blitz Schroeder. Uh, I, I think we could do something with that.